I know that a lot of folks today, and I mean, I am, we all are thinking about families, we're thinking about mothers, and I want to repeat what David said about how we honor the mothers. Of course, we know this is the Lord's Day, and that's why we're here. We're not here because it's Mother's Day, but because it's the Lord's Day, but we're thinking about moms, and we're thinking about families. And Normally, in that scenario, I would go ahead and capitalize on, on that, and let's talk about some things about mothers and family, and we're all thinking about it anyway, but we've got a major work coming up, something really exciting over this next week, one more week to prepare. And I hope that the mothers who are here will forgive me for maybe putting off the lesson on, on motherhood or something about family till some other time, because we need to talk about this work that we've got going on this week. And as we talk about that, the first thing I want to share with you is I've got to... I've got a major character defect that I've had ever since I was young. I developed it. I, I mean, I, I can't remember not having it. And uh, it, I still struggle with it. And that is, it's fear. Fear of failure. I, I can remember from the time I was little having this fear that I'm just, I'm going to botch it up. I'm going to mess it up. So why bother trying? I remember in fourth grade bailing from an honors class because I was afraid that, that I just, it would be too hard and I'd fail the class and I wouldn't. Wouldn't stand out as the star like I always like to do. And I remember in high school, I decided not to try out for the high school football team because I was afraid I wouldn't make the cut. And I remember uh, when I started preaching, somebody offered to teach a Greek class, and I kind of opted out of it because I was afraid, well, I'm just not sure I can ever get that right. And so I, all these things, it, it came from a fear of failure. And if I, rather than try and fail... It's like, in my mind, I just, well, I'd just rather not try at all. Now, I know what you're saying about that. You're saying, Edwin, that is the silliest thing ever. In fact, Jimmy had a sign-up on our board just a couple of weeks ago that said to attempt it, you know, to attempt and fail is not a problem. It's not to attempt at all. I mean, Edwin, you didn't try, and so you didn't pass the class. You didn't get on the football team, and you didn't, you haven't learned Greek and, and any of those other things. You just haven't done it. And, and I, here's the deal. Here's the game that my mind plays in that scenario. I mean, I know all of that. But there's this little bitty part of my mind that still gets to say, well, I know that's true. But, you know, if I had really tried, I could have done it. But I, I didn't really try. It wasn't that big of a deal. And that, that's, it's like this justifying excuse that I get to have in my mind, that if I'm afraid something's not going to work, I just back off. And, of course, obviously that means it doesn't work. But then at least I have an excuse. Well, if I had tried, if it had been that important to me, or, or it had probably worked. And so I, it's just weird, I know. But that's a, a defect that I have. Well, that defect is starting to hit me right about now, about our guest evangelism day next week, or our day that we're having folks come. There's, there's this part of me that right now, we've got seven more days that's starting to say, I just don't know if it's going to work. I, I don't know what's going to happen. Is anybody going to show up, or what, what's going on with all this? And so there's this part of me, and, and if you're like me, you know what I'm talking about, this fear that, why even, why even bother trying? Why keep working for it? And I'm starting to hear those voices that say all the reasons why it won't work. I'm one of those guys that whatever you bring up, I can come up with a thousand reasons why that won't work. And that's, you know, those things are starting to play in my mind. I hear those voices that say, oh, you can't get people to offer invitations today. I hear those voices that say, oh, you can't get people to accept invitations today. I hear all the reasons why it would be different for us than it's been for the other congregations that we got the idea from. I mean, we're, we're more urbanized than some of these congregations, the, the more rural communities that have tighter, closer-knit connections, and we've got looser connections with folks in this community. And, and so, well, you know, it's not going to work. Or we have a much more affluent community, and we all know that people who are wealthy, 
They, they're not interested in spiritual things, and so it's just not going to work. And I could go on and on. All these reasons that start playing in my mind that say, it's not going to work, it's not going to work. And so then there's this part of me that says, well, Edwin, just quit trying. You know, because it's one thing, it's one thing to not really try and it doesn't work. It's another thing to invest a lot of effort and invest a lot of time and invest a lot of work and, and all this blood, sweat, and tears, and then it's still not work. That, that's a totally different thing. And so part of me just says, well, quit worrying about it too much, just don't worry. And don't, you just quit trying. But fortunately, God's been good to me this week, and a friend of mine reminded me of the passage that Mark just read a moment ago in Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 29. And that's really helped me, and it's encouraged me to, to keep working, to keep on doing what we're doing. And for all those who didn't get to hear this on the CD that they're going to copy, I'm going to go ahead and read it again. I know we've read it, but let's read it again here. Mark 4, 26-29, he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. There's three things that I got out of this reading as I was continuing to look at it this week that I want to share with you. Because if you're like me, you need it as much as I needed it. If you're not, and you think I'm as crazy as a June bug, that's okay. Hopefully you'll be encouraged to keep working this week as we look forward to our, our evangelism day next Sunday. Before we look at these three things, would you bow with me in prayer, please? Almighty God and Father in heaven, we lift you up because you are awesome and powerful. You are the great God of heaven and earth. You are the great Redeemer. You are the Judge. You are the Creator. You are the Sovereign Ruler of the universe. And we are in awe. We're amazed that you let us come into your presence. We're amazed that you let us study and sing. And, and we're amazed that you've given your son to die for us so that we could have freedom from our sins, so that we could overcome fear and doubt and hopelessness, but rather have joy and peace and happiness in you, freedom from guilt and despair, that we might have peace and contentment, and we might look forward to heaven with you forever. We pray that you would be with us as we're getting ready for our Evangelism Day next Sunday that we will be encouraged and motivated to work, to recognize that you're working with us and that you work when we work. Father, we pray that you would help us to reach out and have opportunities and the courage to talk to others about what's going on here and that it will blossom into opportunities to talk about your gospel, to talk about your son, to talk about forgiveness and freedom that we can find in him. <coughs> Almighty God, we love you so much and we thank you for letting us be a part of your plan. Through your Son we pray. Amen. The very first thing I recognize when I, when I look at this parable in Mark chapter 4 is that this farmer is a very interesting guy. According to Jesus, he goes out there with a handful of seed and he tosses it around on the ground and it grows up and Jesus said he doesn't know how. The first thing that I think about this when it comes to our evangelism is we don't know how it works. The farmer, when he looks at that seed, he, he doesn't know how that works. Now, I realize in the last 2,000 years that botanists have made huge strides and probably know a lot more about how it works than Jesus' audience did, though nobody knows more than Jesus did. I understand that. 
And yet, in reality, when it comes to that little seed, how many of us know you drop that seed in the ground? How does that work? How does it work that that little seed becomes this huge plant that we can eat from? That's an amazing thing. But here's the kicker about this. This farmer, if he doesn't know how it works, what that means is, in reality, he doesn't know if it will work. In a very real sense, if he doesn't know how this little thing dropping in the ground is going to work, then with each one, if he drops it in, he doesn't really know if it will work. Because he can't examine it, he can't look at it and say, yeah, everything's just right, everything's going to work just out, because, work out just right because here's how it happens, and I know how it happens and everything's in line. He doesn't know how. What that means is every seed that he drops is a huge leap of faith. And he's doing that because his experience has been when he throws those seeds out and they get in the ground and the ground is watered, the plant comes up. He's basing it on that past experience. But it's a huge leap of faith, and he, he doesn't know how it happens. And that's the way it is for us when it comes to this evangelism. Jesus here in Mark chapter 4 is talking about the seed that he had, he had already talked about in the parable of the sower. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. He's now progressing on to the parable of the sower part 2. Because he doesn't know how it works. We don't know how it works. This brings up another character defect that I have, and that's pride. I, I struggle with pride all the time, and, and one of the things when it comes to evangelism is that I like to have this pride that I know how it works. I know how it works, and because of that, I'm going to try to figure out the way that absolutely will work. I'm doing that in general. I, I tool around and, and try to figure out if there's some method or some approach that we can take or that I can take that's just going to appeal to the masses in general. And we'll find that way and then we'll work it. But until then, I'm not going to do much because I haven't found a way that'll work. But I also do that in specific. In the relationships that I have with people, I, I can come up with a dozen reasons why it won't work with them and I'm waiting around until I can find that perfect moment or that perfect approach that I know when I finally plant that seed, I know that'll work. And, of course, because of that, oftentimes I'm kind of paralyzed and don't ever get around to actually doing anything with it because I'm just not sure if it's going to work. Guys, that's pride. The idea that somehow we can know what will work and what won't work, that's just pride. Because what Jesus says is we don't know how it works. When we plant that seed in someone's heart, we don't know how it's going to germinate in their heart. We don't know what it's going to do, and there's no way for us to know. We can't sit from behind and say, I know this won't work, or I know this will work. We don't know how it works. And so I need to quit all the lofty statements of this works and this doesn't work. We've heard all of them before. I've made them. You know, I am all for us as individuals and us as a congregation figuring out approaches and methods that seem to have more success. I'm all for that. But at the same time, I think we need a healthy dose of humility before we start making lofty statements about what will and will not work. I mean, we've all heard door knocking doesn't work anymore. And yet, I know people that have been door knocking over the past couple of years and they're still baptizing people. We've all heard that you don't want to get somebody mad because if you get them mad, that won't work. 
And yet I know people who got mad, and because they got mad, they were going to prove somebody wrong, and they got in the Scripture and found out, no, that's what the Scripture says, and now they're Christians. I know that's happened. I've heard people say gospel meetings don't work anymore. People don't get baptized in gospel meetings anymore. Well, when I was in Texas, we had a gospel meeting four days, Sunday through Wednesday. We baptized 17 people. Now, do I know all kinds of instances where those things didn't work? Yeah, of course I do. I can come up with all kinds of them. Why does it work in some instances, not in others? I don't know. That's what Jesus said. We just don't know. We don't know how it'll work. But what's the conclusion? If I don't know what'll work, if I don't know what won't work, if I don't know how it all works, what's the conclusion? The conclusion is I better just get to work. Instead of making excuses about what won't work and what'll work, instead of instead of coming up with reasons for why this isn't going to happen, instead of waiting around to try to come up with the foolproof thing that I'm positive will work, the conclusion is, I just need to get to work. And just leave the rest in God's hands. Because that actually gets us to the next point. God does the hard work. Notice what it says back there in Mark chapter 4 and verse 28. The earth produces by itself. Now, is that technically true? The earth produces by itself? I don't believe that's technically true. I think rather Jesus is pointing out that to the farmer who doesn't know how it works, he drops the seed in there, and what it looks like is the earth just produces by itself. It just kind of happens. But why does the earth produce that? Because God is working. God is the one who is doing that. I just want you to think about that from the farming standpoint. What that means is the hard work in farming is done by God. The farmer could bend the might of his entire will to that seed and it would never sprout. But he drops it in the ground and God begins to work. And it germinates and it produces fruit. Now, I'm not saying that the work that the farmer does isn't hard. I'm not saying that the work that we'll do won't be hard. Let's face it, plowing, planting, tending the ground is a lot of manual labor. But the thing that we need to understand when it comes to production of food, that's actually the easy part. The hard part is for that little seed to turn into a plant. And God does that. And that's the way it is with evangelists. Sure, there's a lot of manual labor. We've got to get out and we've got to talk to people and it's going to take time. But the hard part, God's doing that. I don't have to remind you of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 7 that says, What then is Apollos and what is Paul, servants to whom you believe, as the Lord assigned to each? I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. We plant and we water, but who's doing the hard job? Well, that's God. We don't have to get into somebody's heart and, and, and cause the seed to germinate. We don't have to do that. 
All we have to do is plant the seed in water. God, that's God's job to make the seed grow. Isn't that awesome? Just think about that. We have this work, but somebody else is doing the hard part. We get the easy part. Once again, this whole concept brings up that character defect of pride. Because in a moment of rigorous honesty, I have to admit that one of the reasons I was wanting us to do this is because I hope that next week we have hundreds of guests and we'll be able to say, wow, look at us. Look at how awesome we are. Look at all this work we did. Aren't we amazing? The reality is, we can't really do the hard part. We can't make the seed germinate. We can't make the fruit come forth. Look in Matthew chapter 19. In Matthew chapter 19, beginning at verse 24, Jesus says to the disciples, Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. It's tough for rich people to be saved. The disciples are completely shocked by this. We keep in mind that having been under the Roman system, their idea was if you wanted to get into Rome, you bought your way in. Why wouldn't it be that way with the kingdom of God? If rich people can't get in, who can get in? In fact, that was their question. When the disciples heard this in verse 25, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? Notice Jesus' words. But Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Did you get that? With man, it's impossible. What that means is I can work and you can work and we can work and we can work and we can work, but we can't do one solitary thing to save somebody's soul. We can't do it. He goes on and says, but with God, all things are possible. With God, people can be saved. God can do that work. Then we need to remember Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. Think about that. God can do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. Think about next Sunday. What is the biggest thing that you could ask or think? God can do that and more. God can do that and more. Far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. That's how amazing our God is. And what a comfort it is to know that with all this that we're doing, we're not doing it alone. God is working. And God will do the hard part. If God will do the hard part, why don't we go ahead and do the easy part? But there's one more thing that I learned from Mark chapter 4, verse 26 through 29. I realize that we don't know how it works. And again, I realize that God is going to do the hard part. But having said all of that, I can't help but notice 
that God didn't cause that seed to sprout until the farmer sowed it. God works when we work. It's the way it works with the farmer. If we want food to eat, somebody's got a plan. Oh, I know that someone will say, oh, well, you know, I've seen seeds sprout. Well, yeah, you've seen seeds sprout someplace else, but you haven't seen people the world over be fed by that, have you? I guarantee if people could be fed by that, farmers wouldn't be out planting the fields. If they could just leave their seeds in the, in the, in the barn and it come up with a bumper crop, that's what they'd be, that's what I'd be doing. God feeds the world when farmers work. And that's the way it works for us. God works when we work. Ephesians 3.20 said that God, who can do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. According to the power at work within us. God works, but how? He works through and within us. So we don't just get to sit back and say, well, I can't save people, so I don't do anything. No, we need to understand that God does His saving work when we work. When we're planting and when we're watering, God will work. Think about all these Bible stories that we've learned our entire lives. And what do they say over and over and over again? They say God works when we work. Mark, in in Genesis 6, when did God deliver Noah? Can't read my mind. When Noah built the ark. What if Noah hadn't built it? God wouldn't have delivered. Ron, in Exodus, when did God deliver Israel from Egypt? When Moses went to Pharaoh and took him out. Brent and Esther, when did God deliver the Israelites from Haman? When, what did Esther have to do? Went to the king. When Esther went into Haman, I mean, went into Ahasuerus. Haman was the bad guy. David in 1 Samuel, when did God kill Goliath? David stepped down and said, you know that Goliath taunted Israel for 40 days. 40 days Goliath went out on that field and said, you guys are a bunch of losers. Your God can't do anything. And God didn't do a thing about it until somebody finally worked. Until David stepped out and went on the field with his sling and said, in the name of the Lord, I'm going to whoop you. And what did God do? Killed Goliath. All those stories, all throughout the Bible, what they say every time is God works when? When we work. God works when we work. 
And the flip side of that is true also. When we work, God works. You get that? What's that mean? That means that we don't have to be afraid to fail. The thing that we can be absolutely certain of is that when we are working, God is also working. And nobody can be God. Now, of course, the key here for us to understand is that God's working doesn't always look like what we wanted it to be. God's working doesn't always look like what we want it to look like. It may be that we offer a thousand invitations this week and nobody but us shows up next week. That may be. I don't think that's the way it'll work, but that could be what happens. Because it may be that God's working is not to bring us hundreds of guests. It may be that God's working is to build up our courage. It may be that God's working is Him working within us as we build up our ability to get out and tell people the message. It may be that God's working in this is to give people opportunities so that in judgment they have no excuse. That, that may be what God's work is in this. It may be that God's work in this is that we raise up in the challenge of prayer and that we pray more. You know, a couple weeks ago we offered the 21-day prayer challenge to pray three times a day for this particular effort. It may be that God's working within this is to get us to pray more. Here's the thing. I don't know what God's goal is going to be. I don't know what God's going to accomplish through this. What I am absolutely certain of is that whatever God does, God is working when we work. And as long as we work, we've been successful. And as long as we work, God will do His work. As I said two weeks ago, we offered the 21-day prayer challenge. Pray three times a day for this particular effort. We gave a list of things in that bulletin article that we can pray for. I haven't made it three times every day. I doubt any of us have. But if you have, that's awesome. Please keep it up. But I have prayed for this more than anything that we've ever done. And that's probably a sad commentary on my prayer life. I realize that. But I want to share with you that my most fervent prayers have not been that God will bring us hundreds of guests. I mean, I've been praying for that, but that's not my most fervent prayer. My most fervent prayers have not been that through this we'll baptize dozens of people. I've been praying for that, but that's not my most fervent prayer. My most fervent prayer is that through this work, we will learn that when we work, God works. Because if we get that down, Satan will never be able to stop us again. When we grasp that God works when we work, there'll be no holding us back. The seed will only grow by the power of God if we're planting it. What an awesome opportunity we have this week. We've got seven more days to prepare for this. 
How much praying can we do to get God's hand of mercy and blessing to be with us? How much more inviting can we do to let folks know about what's going on here? On your way out today, Brother Phil Hunt and Brother Jonathan Gilbert are going to be at the door, and we've got some more cards printed up. They're going to be handing them out in bundles of five. I just, just ask you, take those five cards, find some folks that you can talk to this week. Let them know. Maybe there's somebody that you've already invited. These are new cards. They haven't seen these cards before. Give it to them again. Say, hey, just wanted to remind you it's this Sunday. Or maybe there's somebody completely new that you can offer it to and let them know. Do that. Not because you're assured that if you do that, it's going to be a success and we're going to have tons of people here. But do that knowing that when we work, God works.